Welcome to the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching and membership community. So congratulations is in order. If you've built a successful freelance business that has grown to the point where you need to hire, you have achieved a huge milestone. If you're already past the point of making your first hire and your team is now growing, well, congratulations is in order to you as well. So regardless of where you are with scaling your team and your business, whether you're at employee number one or employee number 100, this podcast focuses on everything related to people operations. We'll cover best practices, strategies, and solutions to help you build a sustainable and scalable business that is fueled by great people and a great culture. So if you're enjoying listening to this Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, please subscribe, give us a like, and give us a review. Your feedback will help us grow this podcast, and we'll be able to positively impact more employers to help them build better work environments. Welcome back to another episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. I'm your host, Brian Montez, founder of Scalosity Works and the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching community. You know, in the Entrepreneur to Employer coaching community, I have the opportunity to guide business owners on hiring employee number one and beyond, help them learn the leadership skills needed to create an employee experience that's going to deliver a competitive edge to your business, and help them build seven to eight figure businesses that is no longer a job, but a business that can help provide financial freedom. Now, I know your time is valuable, and I really do appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. Every time you tune into the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast, you can expect to learn actionable insights to help you build a business that is worthy of the best places to work awards and reduce your business risk with proactive HR strategies that do have real-world applications. So as you go through the Entrepreneur to Employer journey with me, I will work to sharpen your skills on how to recruit, hire, and onboard the best people for your company, how to design training systems that work, how to establish proactive HR systems that will lower your business risk, how to improve employee performance, how to lead your team through good times and bad, and how to tie your people operations to your financial milestones. So if you're ready to build a business that's powered by great people, let's get started. So one of the questions that I get asked more often than not has to do around, how do I handle an underperforming employee, right? And it's really difficult. I mean, whether it's your first employee or whether you have 100 employees or somewhere in the middle, it's never an easy conversation, but there is a system and a path that you can have as an employer to deal with underperforming employees and start the conversations around performance before they become out of control, before it's a runaway freight train, and before it just becomes something that you can't reverse or fix. I mean, it makes sense why I get asked this question so much, because our lowest performing employees, well, what happens with them? Well, they're going to take a large amount of our attention right? Because either other team members are having to pick up slack or you as the business owner are having to pick up slack. They're going to take a lot of our attention because they're missing the mark. They're also going to breed resentment among their peers, right? If you have an underperforming employee not carrying their weight, that's going to frustrate other team members. And if it's just, if this is your first employee, it's going to frustrate you because now you're having to do extra work to pick up the slack. Underperforming employees also present the most HR risk because if you were ignoring the underperformance, if you're ignoring what's going on, that is sending the signal that it's okay, that their performance is okay. And then if you come in out of nowhere and just fire them, well, now they may feel they have a cause of action. They may feel that they now have a reason to sue you because they view the situation as I got fired for no good reason. I was doing my job. I didn't have any feedback or any coaching or any write-ups or anything to tell me that I wasn't performing. So now all of a sudden you decide out of nowhere to fire them they're going to believe they have a cause of action against you for a wrongful termination. So if you're not managing an underperforming employee, you are increasing your business risk. And the fourth thing that happens with an underperforming employee is they are contributing the least. And so they are the weak link in that team. 
So it is a vicious cycle and we go round and round with it. Now, I have led teams as large as 150 people. So I understand what it takes to deal with underperforming employees. And I do have a system that I use. And I do have a system that I like to coach business owners to use as well. But the question isn't, how do I handle an underperforming employee? That's actually not the question. The question is, why are they underperforming? That's what you have to get to first. So we are going to go through the five questions that you need to go through to get to the root cause of an underperforming employee. And the first question is, why? Why is this person underperforming? And we run a playbook with this. In order to answer the question of why, we run a playbook. The answers are going to run along a spectrum. That's the underperformance spectrum. And we go from left to right on this spectrum. First on the spectrum is resources. Second on the spectrum is training. Now, under resources and training, that is our problem as the employer. It is our job to provide resources. It is our job to provide training. So under the spectrum, we start left to right. We look at the resources and the training. And if there's gaps there, it's on us. Desire is the next wave of the spectrum and then ability. So desire and ability fall under their problem. That falls under the employee, right? At the end of the day, the employer-employee relationship, it's a two-way street. Yes, we have responsibilities as an employer to make sure that our employee has what it takes to succeed, but they have to meet us halfway. They have to have the desire. They have to have the ability. They have to have the willingness. They have to have the intrinsic drive to be successful with you. So as we move from left to right on the spectrum, there are two things that are fundamentally true. Ownership will shift from us, the business owner, the manager, whatever our role is, to them, the employee. And that's what we want. Ultimately, we want to see that shift. Second, the problem becomes more personal for them the more it shifts to the right, right? When it's on us as the business owner for the resources and the training, it's on us, right? So it's not personal to your employee. But when we start to shift to desire and ability, well, that becomes now a personal thing to the employee. Now, as we work left to right, if it works correctly and if the employee embraces everything, we actually will increase their odds of success and increase the odds of that employee pulling through, meeting the expectations, and getting things turned around. So let's talk about resources first. We're going to break down the spectrum. Let's talk about resources first. If they don't have the resources to do their job, guess whose problem that is? Ours as the business owner, ours as the company right? That is a 100% our problem, not theirs, ours. You know, we can't send them to work or expect them to do their job if we haven't given them the tools, whether that's on day one, making sure that we've set them up with their laptop or their computer, whatever that is, the desk, everything they need to do their job. We have to make sure they are set up with the resources that they need. And resources go just beyond hardware and computers, things like that right? Resources into whatever cloud-based systems you use, whatever software you use, resources for training, resources for access to mentors, peers, right? Resources is more than just the physical tools that they need. So we have to make sure that we are giving them all the resources that are necessary to do their job. And then ask them about that, right? Make sure that you know what they need to succeed. Have that conversation. Second part of the spectrum is training. So what if they don't have sufficient training? Well, This is a shared responsibility, and this is where we find balance, because at the end of the day, employers can do a lot to train employees, but the employees have to meet us halfway. So we can train and train and train and train, but if they're not absorbing that training, if they're not taking that training and executing on it and utilizing it, we still will have an underperforming employee, right? So I view training as a shared responsibility. 
It's not just on the employer and it is not just on the employee. Now it's what do we own in it, right? Because it's a shared responsibility. What part do we own? We own the part to making sure they have access to training, making sure that we have training available for them. It's the right training. It makes sense. It's uh, effective and they have access to it. That is our responsibility as the employer. What is their responsibility? Their responsibility is to make sure that they make full use of that training and they come up that learning curve, right? That is their responsibility to take that training, absorb it, implement it, and move along that learning curve. So we need to be cautious of the bottomless training trap. Your goal should be sufficient, competent, well-formulated training. It's not going to be exhaustive, right? We cannot provide every single piece of training in the world, and we can't hold their hand 24-7. It is our job to provide a sufficient amount of training and ramp-up time to make sure that they have the knowledge set and the skills necessary to do the job. And again, keep in mind, this training doesn't have to be overly formal, right? It's not sitting in a classroom like they're back in college or back in high school. It could be peer mentoring. It can be just office hours with you. It could be the curated learning on LinkedIn, YouTube. There are a lot of ways for you to establish training plans for your employees that uh, may work better for them. So think through and get creative through your training. We're going to keep moving right on the spectrum now. And now we're getting to they don't have the desire or they do have the desire. And the challenge with the desire category is that this one becomes the most personal. This one will hit home to your employee if it ends up being a desire issue. But the desire issue carries very clear consequences because the reality is this. If they don't have the desire to do the job you hired them to do, how long do you want to let them keep that job? The reality is you do not want to let them keep that job very long. You have to make a decision and move on. If there is no desire there to do the work at hand and to excel, you have to replace them and you have to make that decision. So quickly consider what it means, right? Because once you make that decision to not keep them, there are real direct consequences to this. And look, I have hired over 200 people in my career and I have fired a lot of people in my career. So I understand each and every time we have to let somebody go, it's never easy. Now, the mindset that you need to have when this comes up is this. As long as you, as the employer, have done everything you can to help them succeed, they're actually firing themselves. It's just up to you to tell them that. But their actions cause them to get fired. But you still have to consider what it means, right? How are they going to pay their mortgage, right? How are they going to feed their family? There are direct consequences to this, and the implications are real. We can't put desire in them. We can't want it more than they do. They have to meet us to that point. If they don't, then the decision has to be made that it's time to part ways. But when you have that conversation, there are some ways you can go about doing it that humanize the process and really will make you a great employer. So the first thing you can do when it comes time to let somebody go because they don't have the desire to do the job is make sure they understand where the exits are. There are things you can do in that transition, whether it's a severance plan, whether you know somebody else that is hiring that has a job that may be a better fit for them. I've done that a lot of times where it's time to let somebody go because they don't have the desire to do the job they were hired for. And it's just not the right job for them. It doesn't excite them. They're not motivated by it. But by getting to know them, you start to learn what it is that drives them and motivates them. And if you happen to know somebody that's hiring for a position that would motivate them, maybe you make a phone call, maybe you make an introduction, right? It helps ease that transition and they still feel good about leaving your company or being fired from your company. So 
help them know where the exits are. And you can't always do this, but if you can, it will certainly make that firing conversation, that termination conversation much easier. Here's your other option. Some people can stay with your company. They can stay on the bus. They just need to have a different seat because the lack of desire may not be a lack of desire for the mission and the why of your company. It just may be in that specific role. I'll give you an example. One of my jobs over a decade ago, I had a sales team and I had 50 people on my sales team nationwide. And I had one young lady, her name is Heather, phenomenal young lady, was bought into the core values, aligned with the core values of the company, right? She definitely deserved to be part of the organization, but she was not good at sales. She didn't like it. She wasn't good at it. She wasn't excelling at it. In fact, she was failing miserably at it. And we had done a lot of training to try and bring her along, but it wasn't working. So we finally, I sat down there and we just had a conversation about desire. And during that conversation, I learned that she really hated sales. Yes, it was the job that was available at the time. She managed to get the job, but she was failing miserably at it. And she was personally very frustrated because she wasn't succeeding. Well, we ended up moving her to the customer service department. It took her off the road. She no longer had to travel. She was able to work from home and she enjoyed being on the phone, handling customer problems, resolving issues, making sure the customers were happy. She preferred that over talking to customers or prospects before they were customers. So we moved her into customer service. And I tell you what, she excelled. It was awesome to watch her excel. Her career took off. She was happy. The company was happy. And we had a great employee on our hands. So understand that if the desire isn't there for that role, you have to figure out if they just need a different position in your company or if they need to move on from the company as a whole. Now, let's talk about the fourth part of the spectrum, and that is ability. I mean, at the end of the day, people have to have the ability to do the job. Now, the good news is, is that you know we have some that are willing to do what it takes to get the ability, and they have the grit, they have the determination, they have the desire, and they work hard to develop the skills to give themselves the ability. And as long as we couple that with resources and training, they're good to go. Now, unfortunately, there are times where despite all of this, some people are just not going to be able to do the job that they were hired for. Whether it's a skill set or ability issue or comprehension, whatever it is, they end up not having the ability to do the job. And unfortunately, there's no, no magic bullet. There's no solution for this, right? Either they have the ability and they can take it in Excel or they don't have the ability. And if they don't, then you have to make that decision as to whether or not there's another opportunity in your company for them or whether or not it is time for them to move on. So those are the questions that you have to ask and the process you have to go through on the spectrum. So let's just recap that spectrum again, right? Because it's, it answers the why. So we go from left to right on the spectrum. We have resources and training, which isn't our problem, the employer problem. We have desire and we have ability, which is their problem. It's their issue, right? So we work through the spectrum. And if we can go from left to right on the spectrum, Either we will be able to develop and help an employee hit the levels and the performance that's necessary, or it'll be time for a change of scenery. So that is the spectrum process that you can go through. Once you answer those first four questions, you understand the why behind it all. At the end of the day, it's not easy, or it's not fun, I should say, to deal with underperforming employees. But the sooner you do it, the easier it's going to be. Because in most cases, you can get the issue resolved, right? You get that low performer back on track, or you've agreed to part ways. It's one of two things. Either you get back on track, 
or you agree to part ways. The only path I've seen, though, through this is to be honest about it. Be honest, start the conversation early, be empathetic, but be truthful. You owe that to your employee. Do not beat around the bush. Do not sugarcoat it. Just be very, very direct. Name the gaps that are happening. Be factual about it. Reiterate your expectations and put a timeline on the decision. Now, that's going to lead us to the last question that you need to ask in this process. Because sometimes that employee is just not going to fit. Sometimes that manager designed the role incorrectly. And occasionally, despite our desires to you know, name the cause, we won't be able to. There's just times where we cannot pinpoint the root cause of this. At that point, you need to push past the blame and the emotion, whether it's good or bad, and answer this question. Is this working? That's the question you'll have to ask. If you get to the end and you are not able to pinpoint what's going on, get to that why, come up with a plan, put a timeline on the decision, you're simply going to have to ask yourself, is this working? And it's a question that you have with both yourself and with the employee. Is this working? Because it may not be working for that employee either. They just may be fundamentally unhappy in that role. And why do we have to ask that question? Is it working? Because if it's not working, we have to make a decision to part ways. Because your business depends on you to make that call. Your team, if you have a team, depends on you to make that call. You have to be decisive and you have to lead. That is part of being a business owner. So I hope you've gotten a lot out of this particular episode. And I hope now you have a framework that you can utilize to deal with an underperformer. And remember, it's five questions, starting with why, going through your resources, your training, your desire, the ability, and wrapping up with, if you have to ask the question, is it working? And make the decisions accordingly based on the facts and the feedback and the conversations that are happening. But if you go through this framework each and every time that you have an underperformer and you start the conversation early and you're honest and you're empathetic and you name the gaps, more than not, you should be able to fix the problem. And if you can't, you know what decision you have to make as the business owner. Well, I truly hope you've enjoyed this week's episode of the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast. And if you have, I do have two favors to ask. First, if you find this podcast valuable, please subscribe, give us a like, and leave us your comments. I read every comment and I use the feedback to improve each and every episode. And second, if you know someone that would benefit from this podcast, please send them a link to the show with your recommendations. My mission is to impact as many business owners as possible to help them hire employee number one and beyond. This was a great show. I hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you next week on the Entrepreneur to Employer podcast.